Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, it's Your Natural Dog with Angela Ardolino and my very special guest today is Dr. Judy Morgan. For those of you who don't know her, she is uh, one of my favorite holistic vets uh, with over 37 years of experience in integrative veterinary practice, acupuncture, chiropractic, Chinese medicine, you name it. And I wanted to talk to her about uh, collapsing trachea. Not only is it something that my geriatric dog, Odie, who's 15 now, suffers from, but it's something that people get really scared about and freak out about. I even know someone who put their dog down because they thought the dog was struggling to breathe. So I really felt this was important that we address this so that everyone understands that it's a degenerative disease and that there are absolutely things that we can do holistically to help our old dogs deal with this. Um, That and just an amazing conversation with Dr. Judy Morgan about everything holistic and how we can help our old dogs. And we're back with Dr. Judy Morgan. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am thrilled to have you. I am a big fan and follow you and watch all of your things. So thank you so much for joining me again. You've been on before, so I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for the invitation. Thank you. (laughs) We're talking um, collapsed trachea. Also, correct me if I'm saying it wrong, Odie, my 15-year-old schnauzer, has collapsed bronchial, not trachea. So it's a little, I guess, further down. Yes. But I, I remember the first time he started that hacking, freaked me out. And I'm sure it <laughs> freaks lots of people out. So thank you so much for kind of helping us understand what the heck is this and what's mm-hmm. causing it. And like at my house, it kind of gets to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's don't worry. He's fine kind of thing, because it sounds like he's dying. Well, they they sound like a, a goose honk. Right. That's the, the cough that we described. They literally sound like there's a goose standing in your living room. So uh, a little bit odd. But the problem really is, and it's uh, definitely smaller breeds are more prone to this. There are certain breeds of dogs who genetically are going to be more prone. And so the trachea is the airway that goes from the throat down to the middle of the chest in the lungs, and then it divides into the bronchi. So the trachea is the main airway. And, um, what happens is the trachea is made of cartilage rings. So there are these little C-shaped rings and there's a whole bunch of them lined up. The problem is the rings only take up about three quarters of the way around from the top around the bottom back up. And then along the top of the trachea is a muscle membrane. And that membrane gets weak with time and with genetics. And so it starts to fall in. So you've got your little C's and then you've got this this piece of muscle that should be up here, but instead it falls down in. And so it narrows the airway. And when they cough, they're forcibly trying to open that up to get the air back out. So um, it is a, a, a noisy event and it definitely has triggers. 
Uh, so stress, irritants to the airway, uh, excitement. So these dogs have to live a modified lifestyle and we have to be really careful what we do with their environment so that we don't set things off. Yeah, I definitely notice when it's allergy season that his honks start more more often. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. do remember like, I remember one ha- times him being in the middle of honking and me offering him a treat and him stopping and eating the treat. So I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes just that just dis- breaking the cycle, that distraction. But we want to, you know, give things that are going to help soothe the airway and definitely allergy season where the pollens are high. Like right now we're in North Carolina and the pine trees, the Carolina pines make this yellow pollen that literally on my outside furniture is a half inch thick. I clean it off and two days later, it's a half inch thick. I can't believe how much pollen comes off these trees. So if you have an animal that has any kind of airway issues, whether they're asthmatic, they have bronchitis, they have you know lower airway disease, collapsing trachea, anything, this much pollen is going to be very irritating for them. So you're definitely going to get more of that coughing. You're going to get more symptomatic as we cycle through these things. And another season that we don't always think about is winter. So we're inside dry heat. If you have forced air heat, that dry heat, very drying to the airway, the airway does not like dry. The airway likes moist. So that's why when you have kids with the croup, you put, take them to the bathroom, you steam them, you run humidifiers. So the real dry, forced air, really not good for these guys either. So he's, I want to say he started hacking like at 13 is when it, you know, the first time that it showed its ugly self. And does it get worse? Is there, um, besides, you know, limiting irritants, is it something that's just going to keep on getting worse and worse as they get older? It tends to, it's progressive because it's a weakening of the muscles. So from a Chinese medicine perspective, it's a chi deficiency. And so unless we really support that and we try to, you know, keep the chi level, the energy level as high as possible for those muscles, it is progressive. So, you know, there's a lot of things we can do. Keeping our dogs a natural lean body weight is very important. The more obese they are, the worse this is for these guys. So, um, you know, and then limiting activity, particularly during, you know, allergy seasons, other times when we may have more trouble. Uh, We used to actually see the worst cases when I was in New Jersey in practice, the worst cases were actually when it was really hot and humid. Those times in the summer when the, the air is so thick, like you walk outside and you feel like you can cut the air with a knife. And so then you take your little fat dog who's got a collapsing trachea and the air is so thick, they're having trouble breathing it anyway. And then you go out and you exercise them, you know, a little more than normal. Those guys, man, they are in big trouble. They get a lot of swelling in their airway. And, uh, the, and the problem is once they, they start getting in trouble, they start having an event or an episode, then the more anxiety they have, the more swelling they're getting down there, the more they're working to move the air in and out. And so it becomes a cascade that's a disaster. And so one of the big things is controlling that anxiety. If you've ever had an asthma attack or anything where you can't, you feel like you're not getting enough air, the anxiety that goes along with, oh my gosh, I'm not getting enough oxygen, 
even, you know, for us, we also have the psychological part, but for them, it's not even the psychological. It's just like, I literally am not getting enough air and they go into panic mode. And then that panic mode makes it even worse. So it's really important that we don't allow these animals to get into that cascade of anxiety. And, and I'm sure that that cascade of anxiety is also is the times it's happening is this to a senior or geriatric dog who probably also has heart issues or other yeah. issues. And that's why it can be so dangerous. Is that, is that why? Certainly contributes um, because the breeds that are prone to the collapsing trachea are also breeds that are prone to mitral valve disease. So we, it's sort of, you know, let's, let's just layer these things on. Right. What so, are some of the breeds? Oh, Yorkies, Maltese, Yorkies, really. Like I'm really? picturing these dogs in my practice that had troubles. And all I keep seeing is Yorkies and Maltese. Uh, any of the small breeds, the small terriers for sure. But any of the, the smaller breeds, I don't. It's interesting because I have Cavalier King Charles and English Toys. I don't see as much tracheal collapse with those guys, but those they're so much more prone to heart disease. I think we're so focused on their heart disease that we don't even pay attention to their trachea. <laughs> and uh, so let's say we have one of these dogs or even a dog that is suffering from, you know, one of these ailments. Do we want to keep things off their neck? Collars, leashes, yeah. things off their yeah. neck? And th is that well, when you'd go to like a harness? Absolutely, we do recommend harnesses for these dogs. But interestingly, the tracheal collapse can occur in two places. We can have it actually uh, within the chest. We can have um, right at the inlet of the thorax, so right at the inlet of the rib cage. Those are the two places where it usually occurs. And unfortunately, diagnosing tracheal collapse is really tricky. So we hear the honk, we, you know, we have the typical breed, the owner's describing it, we see videos, we actually see them do it, we go, yeah, it sounds like a tracheal collapse, and then you take an x-ray and you go, looks fine. Because you actually have to catch them at the exact right time of inspiration and expiration to actually see it on x-ray. Wow. Because it's not collapsed all the time. Like you might catch them at a point where it's opened up because they're blowing air through it. So if you're, if you think that your dog may have a tracheal collapse problem and you get x-rays taken and they go, that looks all good. You might want to say, Hey, let's take a whole bunch of it. Like particularly if you have digital x-ray, it can snap a new picture like every few seconds. So just have them hold the pedal down and just go boom, 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 boom. And look at the changes as the dog is breathing in and out. And sometimes you'll catch it on just that one film and go, oh my gosh, that's that's like a big problem. So, uh, you know, one image does not, if you catch it, great. If you don't and you really suspect it, you may have to do more imaging. What else could it be? Like, I mean, that sound is so, if it's, of course, if they've got something stuck or well, sure. that it's going to go away and not appear and disappear and appear. So a foreign body, a tumor, I mean, even like a, an infectious or inflammatory bronchitis could sound like that. And frankly, some of these heart disease dogs can make a very similar sound. So you definitely want to get radiographs. You want to look at the heart size. You may end up needing an echocardiogram, to, particularly if the dog has a murmur as well. So you need to rule out because you certainly would not want to miss that your dog is in going into heart failure or has some sort of degenerative heart disease, uh, just thinking. And I get these kinds of questions in my inbox, although well, my dog has this cough. And I'm like, well, 
you know, what can I do for the cough? I'm like, well, first of all, let's figure out what's causing the cough. <laughs> which is what, I'm going to interrupt you for a minute, which is why you're one of my favorites, because you don't <laughs> run and write a prescription or say, take this. We want to find out what it is. And then you are going to find out a holistic remedy that is going to help, exactly. which why, exactly. why you're one of my favorites. And I appreciate <laughs> you so much. Uh, but it is true. Like, I, I don't mean to be selfish, but I'm sitting here going, yep, Odie's 15. I know he's got a heart murmur. He's been coughing. His coughing is now more into because we're like you. I'm in Florida. So pollen, the cypress trees, the oak trees. Oh, my gosh. Can write your name in it. He comes in with it stuck (laughs) all over him and he's going into sneezing fits now. So there's like hardly any coughing. And now he's just sneezing his brains out you know, during the season. So I feel like it's a senior or a geriatric dog issue. Would you agree? The collapsing trachea? It's definitely seen later in life. Uh, And, you know, they may start with it earlier, maybe when they're six, seven, eight, which, you know, depending on the breed could be senior, but for the small breeds, we're kind of on the cusp. But it's usually mild at that point. Right. So people don't wig out about it. But, you know, then it's progressing over time. So by the time they're 10, 11, 12, and they're really honking, they're having more episodes, they're having episodes that last longer, then people are kind of like, ah, I'm freaked out. I got to go, I got to go figure out what this is. So, uh, you know, our diagnostics may be skewed a little bit just by the fact that maybe people wait to actually do the diagnostics because they're like, yeah, he coughs once in a while, no big deal. You know, or maybe it's a little more seasonal with allergies and that sort of thing. So sometimes it gets diagnosed a little bit later, but it's actually been been there for a while. Good. Well, when we come back, we got to take a short break. When we come back, I would love to talk about some of the natural things that we can do to help support these senior dogs that are suffering from this when we come back. If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health, healing naturally. And we're back with Dr. Judy Morgan talking about collapsed trachea. Um, And as if you do have a dog that has collapsed trachea and as it gets older, it changes or gets worse. And um, I don't even know what they do on the conventional side. So if someone were to go to a conventional vet, what do they do? Um, And then we're going to tell you what you can do that is going to, of course, I'm all about, Dr. Judy Morgan is all about only helping, causing no harm, doing everything as holistic as possible. So what on convention, what happens? Because I don't even know what what would have happened. Because thank goodness I stopped going. Well, she was, she's integrative. She says integrative, but she practices mostly conventional So when she told me my dog had a brain tumor and degenerative myelopathy, I stopped going because it was neither one of those things. Um, (laughs) And I I bring this up because a lot of us don't have access to a holistic vet, which the good thing is, is that we live in a world now where if you want to do a consultation with Dr. Judy Morgan, you can. So that is a beautiful thing so that you can 
empower yourself of what you can do and or find someone that maybe you can work with locally that you can go, this is my vet, um, but I'm here and I would love to work with you on this type of thing because it is hard to find a truly holistic or even a truly integrative vet. So what will most people be told when they bring their dog in with collapsed trachea? So a lot of times they're put on cough suppressants like hydrocodone, bronchodilators, theophylline, terbutylene. The problem with the bronchodilators is they tend to cause a racing heart. So if you have a dog who also has a comorbidity of some heart issues, we can really get into some trouble with those. A lot of times they'll use sedatives for the dogs because remember, we simply don't want them to be anxious, but having your dog living on acepromazine, butorphanol, something to sedate them, putting them on an opioid, uh, that's not a good way for them to live. We still have to be considerate of their quality of life. Um, unfortunately, a lot of veterinarians overuse antibiotics for these dogs. They don't need antibiotics. It's not an infectious disease, but they're coughing, so they end up on an antibiotic. There is a surgical repair. I don't think it is done very often. I don't think it's a good surgical repair. The dogs have a lot of problems with it. I, I have known very, I don't know if I've known anybody who's actually gone through the surgical repair. I think the dog would have to be in a really advanced state in order to do that. Um, and then the biggest thing that everybody's been talking about lately is anabolic steroids, stenozolol, which is a derivative of testosterone. It can have a little bit of anti-inflammatory activity and potentially strengthen that muscle along the top of the trachea, but it can have side effects as well. So, you know, unfortunately, all of the traditional medications that we would use would have some side effects that we would have to then balance those out. And so you can end up in that cascade of I'm getting this drug to solve this problem, but now I need this drug to solve the side effects of that. And now I need this drug. And it's just a cascade. And nine times out of 10, the dog is a senior or a geriatric dog in the first place. And that's the last thing you want to do to that poor dog. Exactly. Exactly. So what can they do? What are some um, holistic options or modalities that you've seen worked in your practice in the past? Yeah. So again, it's not a curable disease. What we're doing is trying to slow down progression and keep the dog comfortable. So things like, you know, not exposing them to a lot of pollen, not over-exercising when it's hot and humid, that sort of thing. But first and foremost, if your dog is overweight, you've got to get them down to a lean weight. They can't be a 12 pound Yorkie that should be a six pound Yorkie. You've just, you've got to solve that. So that may require a diet change. Um, and switching to a diet kibble is not going to solve the problem. You've got to get them off the kibble. Uh, because again, kibble is drying to the body and the airway likes some moisture. So we've, we've got to change away from that. So that would be step one. From a Chinese medicine perspective, we want to feed foods that are going to help with the energy, the chi, the ability of that muscle to actually work and do what it's supposed to do. And we also want to support the lungs and we want to decrease any phlegm production. So for phlegm, just easy treats, pears, apples, you can add a little bit of ground peppermint to their diet. Ginger works really well. Clams are amazing for draining phlegm. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I have a great dry eye diet, which is basically a phlegm problem, and it incorporates all those things in there. So sometimes we, you know, we have a diet that's made for one thing, but it actually would work for something else as well. Strengthen the cartilage of the uh, trachea with bone broth. 
And then we want natural sources of glucosamine, chondroitin, and hyaluronic acid to support that. So we can use something like shark cartilage. I'm kind of against overfishing our sharks. So we use deer antler velvet, which is a renewable resource for that. We also use green lip mussels, which are a great source of hyaluronic acid and omega-3s. And so that's the kind of thing that we're looking for. We also want to decrease inflammation. If they're coughing, you can give them a little bit of honey. It's a great natural cough suppressant and it actually is a great um, lung tonic. And if you can do a local honey, you're also giving those um, histamines to kind of help with their allergies also. Yeah, I remember when Odie would have fits that I couldn't get him to stop. Uh, It would be honey and then the CBD dog health ease to kind of reduce inflammation and calm them down. Exactly. So, you know, and then certainly we want to keep stress. We'll talk a couple other things I want to talk about too, but we do want to keep stress at a minimum. So whether you're using flower essences, CBD oil, uh, homeopathy, essential oils, pheromone diffusers, whatever it is. And if you know certain triggers, like the mailman comes or somebody rings your doorbell, you know those triggers, try to preempt them. Try to, you know, cut it off at the pass. Put your dog in an area of the house. Like if you see somebody coming or you know the mailman comes at one o'clock every day, get the dog away from the front door, away from the front windows, take them out back, do something else, but try to keep them calm, particularly if you know what any of the triggers are. Um, We talked about using a harness instead of a collar. If the air is really dry, we want to vaporize or uh, humidify the air. One of the things that I found is probably the most effective, particularly if you have dogs who are really getting a lot of collapse episodes, their trachea is just not working well anymore, electroacupuncture. So that does mean you're going to have to find an acupuncture veterinarian and somebody who can do electro. Dry needle acupuncture is effective, but the electro is like putting it on steroids. It will last longer. It uh, basically is stimulating those nerves to wake up and actually fire. And we need those nerve endings going in to stimulate that muscle to actually contract and open up. And that's what we want it to I do. I love it. I'm going to do it. So electroacupuncture, is that literally what we're going to search for? So I'm going to go to hvma.org. I'm going to go to my area. I'm going to look. And can I type in electro or am I going to start you with acupuncture? You can, acu- but all, you're, you, all you need to type in is acupuncture. Okay. I would say 90%, 95% of the veterinarians who do acupuncture will do electro as well. And it's so simple. So they put the acupuncture needles in and then they have a little machine and they have electrodes yeah, on I've wires. Yeah, I've done it to myself. Yeah. I just and never- so they, they hook them up to the needles and then they turn it on um, at different frequencies to stimulate them. And you'll see the needles kind of vibrating. It's sort of like if for people who have ever had like a TENS unit on their back. Uh, so for us... Uh, you can take the little patches and stick them on your back and put the electrodes on. Unfortunately, we would have to shave our dogs to put the little patches on. So instead, we put our acupuncture needle in, hook it up to that, and we get this great effect. So that stimulating effect gets the muscles going, gets the muscle to actually kind of you know, exercise expand and contract, it's exercising it. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Um, so that's been, I think that's been really helpful. Certainly if you have dogs with airway problems, don't be diffusing all kinds of potpourri and incense and plugins. You know, yeah. Plugins. Get rid of your bounced and downy dryer sheets. Yeah, and- no smoking, like none of that, that air pollution, because these guys are so much more sensitive to it. Like right. we, we just can't be bombarding them with it. 
I was listening to your uh, your heart series that you had, and you talked about making, and I, it's funny because I just got a nebulizer and I already have my ozone and my oxygen tank, and you were talking about making, and I may be calling it something wrong, but basically like a little oxygen tent yeah. or a little room. Explain that to me because I find that fascinating and I can't wait to do it. So we actually have something called a Buster ICU cage, and uh, they're made for... Can I buy uh, one from you? Yeah, Yay. they're on our website. Yeah, so uh, it's it's basically a fold, it it comes flat packed, but it folds up and it's kind of like a fish bowl. So it's clear on all the sides, so that you can see and see what your dog is doing. And then you get an oxygen concentrator and hook it up to that. So my dogs that have had heart failure and I actually had one with a different respiratory problem. You put them in there and you turn the oxygen. So it would be the same as going to the uh, emergency room and the ICU and them putting your dog in an oxygen cage. Uh, so it's just a home oxygen cage. Like a, um, we, uh, the chambers, the oxygen yeah. chambers? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So so these are for home use. And we actually, I don't know if it's come out yet, uh, but it's coming out in the next couple of days, a video on how to work it, how to set it up. My dogs are used to it. So they go right in there. I give them a treat that they like. They'll lay in there and eat their treat. Uh, and so basically what we're doing is we're flooding them with a high oxygen content. And then, you know, once they get comfortable, their respiration's back to normal. We use them for asthmatics as well. Uh, once the respiration's back to normal, they're nice and calm. Then you start turning down your oxygen flow because you don't want to take them from high oxygen and then just throw them back into room air. So we wean them off of it over a few minutes. Uh, I usually leave my dog in there for about 25 to 30 minutes, depending on what he was doing before I put him in there. And then once he's calm and his breathing is back to normal, his color is good, and I've weaned him off the oxygen, then I just open the door to it and let him come out when he's ready. So it's just a way to try to avoid trips to the emergency room, leaving your pet where, you know, somebody may or may not be watching them. I, I have found over the years that uh, we, we used to hospitalize a lot of animals and we didn't have somebody there overnight. So post-op, these animals would be there by themselves. We never had an issue with it. But then there was an issue in the state of New Jersey where an animal managed to get itself strangled in its e-collar in a cage overnight, not at my clinic, somebody else's. But it reset the bar for all of us. So at that point, we said, nope, that's that's it. If there can't be somebody here watching this animal, we're out of here, they're out of, out of here. And instead of charging people hundreds or thousands of dollars to have their dogs spend the night at an ICU. If they were stable enough, what we found is that if we sent them home, that owner was more than happy to sit up and stare at their dog. I, night. I love I love this empowering because I'm one of those people. And as you know, there is a growing uh, population yeah. of people like us who want to, because uh, if it happened to you once, which I lost my first dog at seven years old because I did everything my conventional vet told me, that's only going to happen to us once and we're going to not let that happen again. Yep. I think there's more and more of us. I mean, just like I said, I've got my own ozone. I've got <laughs> all the things exactly. that I'm able to do myself because I can't get to you. I can't, I don't have you. I can't drive to you. Um, my closest is four hours away. And oh, same thing is um, it's not. It's not easy. And I have only geriatric and senior dogs. And as they get older, more and more problems pop up. So I love exactly. having 
this option. Well, tell our listeners, how do they follow you, find you? Dr. Judy Morgan also has amazing books that I uh, recommend all the time on diets. It's one of my favorites because she literally will take the disease and say, this is what will work for this diet for this dog. So I love that. Your books are wonderful. Your Facebooks are wonderful. You also can be a subscriber and get your information right uh, from you, from the horse's mouth. So how do we follow you? And you also, everything that you mentioned, including this new little oxygen cage thing, can also be uh, bought at your store. So a lot of the things that you recommend, uh, you also sell, which I love because I want to know what you say, what you like kind of thing. <laughs> so where can they follow you and find out more about you? So our website is drjudymorgan.com, drjudymorgan.com. My Facebook page is Judy Morgan DVM, as in Doctor of Veterinary Medicine. But we also have a new platform, which is drjudyu.com. And that is uh, more geared toward our educational side. There's tons of blogs and information on Facebook and the website, but Dr. Judy U actually has courses. So there's a dog longevity, a cat longevity, uh, how to read lab values. So if you go get lab work done on your pet, you actually understand what that piece of paper with oh, all amen. that gook is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? Have we, uh, a homemade dog food 101 course for people who are just scared to, to take the leap. And we're actually doing a really big course that uh, probably won't be out till the fall, but it's on hospice and palliative care. It's going to be a huge course. Thank you. Because Uh, we are, those of us who are learning and getting better, I lost my first one at seven and I just was thinking about it today. Odie, my schnauzer, I have doubled his lifespan because of what I have learned and have done things right. And now he's geriatric. And I am assuming that there's all kinds of things going on that I need to address and change. And there's very little information. We don't get to this point. Often, unfortunately, if I had taken Odie to a conventional vet, he probably wouldn't be with me still. We probably would have put him down because that's what they would have recommended because I had been scared. I, this is one of the reasons I'm bringing up collapsed tracheas because I've, I know people who've put their dogs down because of it. Because they thought their dog couldn't breathe anymore. And I was like, what? So this is why we're we're addressing this. So thank you so much for doing that because it is different taking care of a geriatric dog. So different. They can't tolerate. You know, we know that we're supposed to be feeding them a raw, fresh diet, biologically appropriate. But guess what? Those needs change as they get older and you have to change their diet even from becoming a senior to becoming geriatric. So thank you so much for offering that. And thank you so much for joining me today. I always love talking to you and listening to you talk. So thank you so much for sharing all the information that you do with us. We really appreciate you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. You bet. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. 
Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in Mycodog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. Mycodog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at mycodog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi. 